Esther, a great name, a huge, a towering figure in the Bible, gives us, uh, gives the Jews the uh, holiday of Purim. She was a fighter. She fought for her people and she will fight for herself now. Great story. Thank you, my friend. All right, Anderson, I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to primetime. 127,000 dead. The task force says we could be heading to 100,000 cases a day. And that's the bad news. What's the good news? There's a chance. And the key is the same as it's always been, my brothers and sisters. We must be together as ever as one. You, me, and a perversely self-interested president makes three. Will tonight be the night that Trump finally tells people to socially distance and wear a mask? We'll see. Plus, you've likely seen this video, husband and wife taking up arms after protesters showed up in front of their house. What were they afraid of? Is this the portrait of where America is right now? Others talk about this. I say, let's talk to the people in it. We have the husband who held that long rifle as his wife aimed a handgun at the crowd. What do you say? Let's get after it. Fact or Fauci versus fiction. That's where we are tonight. Here's Dr. Fauci. One of the things that I would like to see is an appreciation on the part of our entire nation of the importance of responding as a nation as a whole and not have a situation where when you have a challenge such as we have right now, we have very disparate responses. We've got to do it in a coordinated way because we are all in this together. One, that tells you we have no coordinated national response 100 plus days into this. Think about that. Six months ago is when we learned about this. Fauci's on the task force says still don't have a national response. Think about that. And then put it in contrast to the president who is clearly forget about together. He's only in it for himself and the trumpets blowing his tune of avoidance like this guy. We're not we're not going back, closing things. I don't think that that really is is, is what's driving it. I mean, people going to business is not uh, not what's driving it. Really? Here's what's going on. Captain, there's a storm ahead. Our course is set. I don't think it's a problem. Captain, we're taking on water. The pumps aren't working. Course is set. My boss says the storm is going to go away. That's DeSantis playing to Trump, playing to Trump like a captain trying to be like the guy on the Costa Concordia. Do you remember how that ship wound up? Bink. Here's the picture from 2012. I remember too. You know how I remember? Bink. I was there. Still have that great jacket. Don't have that great hair. The captain in that case was worried about his own fate. He literally left everyone else to die. Who will sound the alarm here that happened in that case? Do you remember the famous words? Vada a bordo cazzo. Get back on board, you jerk. You're the captain. Lead people to safety. Who will tell Trump to start thinking of everyone else? and start addressing what he avoids, the need for masks and distancing and central planning, reopening with smarts, and to avoid what he is addressing, division, making people think this isn't that bad, and rewarding cronies like Governor DeSantis and others who through recklessness and silence are literally making us sick. Pro tip, Mr. President, avoiding this is only making it worse. And yes, 
your re-election may well come down to this moment. Time to get back on the ship and find a better course. Vada a bordo. Get back at the helm. Lead us. The storm is here. 15 states saw their highest seven-day averages for new daily cases as of yesterday from Alaska to Florida. The United States is a country united in crisis. When will this White House get that? Let's bring in the chief doctor, Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay, is there any rationale to avoid what we are seeing as being anything but urgency that requires urgent change? No, I mean, the, the people, you can't think of this in terms of the, the short range or long range sort of planning right now. It's, it's now. Things have to be done right now uh, because we're seeing these numbers uh, sort of gather steam like a big ship, Chris. Uh, it gets so much inertia, it becomes hard to slow down. And you're adding more and more fuel to the fire with all these micro decisions that we hear, people not wearing masks, airlines starting to crowd pe pe people back onto planes again. All those micro decisions are more fuel for that for that fire. And it's, you know, we've got to do everything we can right now to slow this thing down and then sort of reassess. But there's no there's no no need or no rationale at all to wait on any of these decisions now, Chris. Micro decisions that are coefficient of macro misunderstandings. Governor DeSantis, I don't think people going to businesses is the problem. Uh, politicians in Texas, you know, I think it was probably the protesters. You know, that's why things are changing. Those are just nonsensical assertions, or do I have it wrong? No, I mean, at this point, because there is so much uh, inertia going into this, this growth of, of cases, because there's so much virus out there, we have to do everything we can to pull it back. I mean, uh, Governor DeSantis, you know, he, he was, as we know, I mean, you've shown the, the clip, he was doing victory laps, and I think the entire state took a cue. And the cue was that the virus started to then really, uh, you know, spread throughout that state. So even now, compared to a month ago, the same strategies you would have used a month ago, the idea of sort of like uh, maybe starting to incrementally let things happen, you can't do that now. We lost that chance. We lost that opportunity. We lost that ability to make the decision. The virus is now making the decisions for us. You know, the idea that people are still saying, you know, we're, we're weighing the decision about masks. We're weighing the decisions about reopening. You can keep doing that. But the reality is the virus will make the decision for you. Uh, hospitals will become too crowded. Uh, people won't have anywhere to go. The virus is gonna, is gonna dictate all that. And it's already happening in some of these places, Chris. Well, the good news is that in Florida, at least everybody at the briefing today had masks on, including the governor. Uh, we're still not getting that on the federal level. And we have this bizarro situation going on where Fauci, and now we've heard from others saying, you know, we really need a coordinated national effort. Hmm. They're on the task force. The vice president is in charge of the national task force, and we don't have a national strategy. Have you ever heard of we, anything like that? No, I mean, I, it, this, this is, uh, I don't even know how to answer that question, right? I mean, there, there, there's, I've never heard of anything like that. The fact that we still don't have a tsunami of activity around some of these things, tsunami of activity around testing, the tsunami of activity around masks, 
uh, around uh, the contact tracing, all these things. Each of these things separately should have had almost their own task force to make it work. That was something that Zeke Emanuel talked about. Uh, but we, we don't have anything that draws these things together. And I will tell you, I think even within the task force, there's some friction over some of these things because, uh, because of the lack of, of, of action. I mean, two months ago, they were saying, hey, we're, gonna, we're anticipating a big breakthrough in testing. We're going to make it so that people can get tested anywhere, anytime. Didn't That's how happen. we're going to get some sense of normalcy again. Didn't happen. I mean, you know, uh, we had a Tony kid on Fauci my team these... who got tested prophylactically because she wasn't feeling great. Took days and days. That should not be the case here. You want to get back to normalcy. You want to be able to go into the studio with your team. Uh, if you could get tested on some sort of regular basis, that would go a long way. By the way, uh, they do that at the White House, as you know. So they talk they about the testing. They don't wait six days to get the important. results. They get it right away, mm -hmm. and they do tests daily there, and that's good. But why can't we do that in other places in the country to get back to some sense of normalcy as well? Now, also and, something you gave us way, tonight, today, Sanjay. So, go ahead. Make your point. Then I want to make a point that today, you also made. Six months. Today, six months to the day yep. when we first heard about this, uh, this uh, strange cluster of pneumonia out of China. Now we see 10 million people infected, 500,000 people dead. Six months to the day, Chris. National emergency has been over uh, 100 days, I think almost 110 days. And we just had Dr. Fauci say, that, and he hasn't been the only one to say it, there is no national coordinated plan to deal with these situations. Now, something that you pointed out, important for people, uh, because people are making the right choices you know, all over the place. I see them wanting to cover their faces. But what you use matters. Uh, will you put up the full screen of how far coughs travel based on different materials that Sanjay's team gave us? please, or I'll read them out loud. Yeah. Uh, okay. None, yeah, eight feet is the typical cough travel distance. Bandana, 3.6. Folded hanky, 1.25. A commercial cone mask, eight inches. Stitched mask, two layers, 2.5 inches. So the farther you go away from the actual masks that people want you to wear, uh, the more it can go. Um, boy, bandana, 3.6. Oh, that sucks. A lot of people are wearing bandanas. You got to fold it over. I mean, you know, and that makes a difference. We have the video. I don't know. You can show the actual video of what it looks like in someone who is masked versus non-masked. It's not perfect, but you start to do the math there, and you'll see that's an exponential decrease Ooh. in transmission. There it is. Is that Take you the coughing? Fuel out of the fire. There, that's, that is not me coughing, no. That is, that is, a, that is a model. Now, now put the mask on this person, and you're gonna see how big a difference it makes if you do this under a, Ooh. take a look. All right, so a little bit of virus coming out, Ooh, not geez. getting very far, not really affecting anybody other than the person themselves. You know, Chris, I've thought about this myself for some time. It, this is an invisible particle, right? An unseen enemy, as we call it. What if you could see it? What if you could see these little would particles change coming out of people's noses would and change mouths everything. and it tethered by six feet? Yeah, it would change, change everything, everything, right? We can't see it. Therefore, we, we think of it as, as not being real. You know how it's I real. know that's true? That's part of the reason we want... I'll tell you how I know. Well, you, when I was at ABC News 100 years ago, okay, we started doing black light stories on the kind of funk that you find wherever people congregate, hotel rooms, hmm. you know, everywhere. And it changed. I've never had stories <laughs> react the way that did for people to see what was on the doorknob and the ceiling and the this and the that. Uh, it changes when you can see it. If people saw it coming out of people's faces, we'd feel differently. I don't even think that we'd need the guidance from above, uh, from the federal That's officials it. in the White House. Uh, but right now we do. 
And if our president doesn't acknowledge that we need masks and to socially distance and take this seriously, we're not going to get where we need. His voice is too big. It's too powerful to be silent. And it is. It's actually worse than silent. He's given the wrong message. Sanjay, I got to jump. You always give the right message. That's just one of the many reasons I love you. I still think that was you in the model, but that's okay. If you don't want to go with that story, <laughs> we won't go with it. I'll talk to you soon. Love you, Chris. I love talk you, brother. You the Trump campaign just scrapped plans for an Alabama rally next week. Why? Well, fears over the rising COVID rate. But when it comes to the mother of all photo ops, Mount Rushmore, and we know why this president just can't resist going there. He's going to take the risk for everybody else. Thousands are expected in South Dakota this weekend. No need for social distancing, says the governor. We're doing great here. Let's talk to a key ally in South Dakota about whether or not this is the right move, and if so, why. Next. The show goes on this Friday at Mount Rushmore. Despite coronavirus. Why? Because the president wants it. We will have a large event at July 3rd. We told those folks that have concerns that they can stay home. Uh, but those who want to come and join us uh, will be giving out free face masks if they choose to wear one. But we won't be social distancing. The 4th of July festivities typically draw close to 30,000 people. This year, you add in a presidential visit and the return of fireworks after 11 years at the site, this could be the largest event in the country since the pandemic started. Is that a good thing? Let's bring in Congressman Dusty Johnson to see if this is what he wants uh, to do during a health crisis. Good to see you, Congressman. Thank you for taking the opportunity. I hope uh, you and your family are healthy uh, during this time. So, are you happy that your state will have the distinction of having the most people crowded uh, into a place during a pandemic? Well, well, let's be clear, Chris. We're not talking about 30,000 people. We're talking about a limited number of tickets, 7,500 folks in an outdoor venue with health screening available. Everybody's going to be given a mask. And you know what? I recommend they wear them. I thought your last segment was very insightful. Uh, I think that's important. One more thing I want to mention. You know, South Dakota, the landscape in South Dakota is unique. We only have 62 COVID patients hospitalized across the entire state. Our number of cases are going down. This is not tech. Texas. This is not uh, California. This is not Florida. And frankly, we know that we can do this in South Dakota because in the wake of, of the death of George Floyd, we had protests. We had large number of people, uh, large numbers of people together in close proximity. They were wearing masks. They were outside. We did not see a spike in infections. And I think celebrating our country is every bit as important as protesting it. Of course, celebrating the country matters. It's not this or that, right? It's about how. Uh, having thousands of people in one place, why not do it with social distancing? Well, and I do think you, you want to make sure that when anytime you have these events, that you are being, uh, you're being driven by good data. And what we know from people like Gottlieb and Burks and Fauci is that if you've got a community or an area that has 80% mask compliance, the rate of transmission goes down by more than 90%. I encourage everybody at Mount Rushmore to wear that mask. So why don't you tell them? to wear the mask if you know that the 80% number is key and you're not gonna have them socially distance, why make it an option? 
Well, and I would just say this. This has been run by the National Park Service. These are dedicated professionals who understand how to run an event like this. And, you know, Governor Noem has done a good job as well. When so many other people across this country were shutting down their states, Governor Noem went a different way. And I think the data has proven that you don't have to shut down an economy to try to keep people safe. Congressman, now the governor, yeah. Congressman we both know that a huge reason that South Dakota has been spared to this point is because it doesn't have density of population the way other states does. The idea that staying open helps you avoid coronavirus is absurd. And I'm not talking about the mm -hmm. Parks Department. I know they do a great job. I've been mm -hmm. around them for decades, okay? I've seen them do their job in the worst of situations. They're beautiful people. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful. not making the call about the masks. You are, the politicians are. Why should masks be optional when the only way you stave off the virus in a congested place is by having one. Why isn't it mandatory? Well, listen, you do have governors out there who understand the different landscapes need to be treated differently. The governor of New York is treating the people of South Dakota differently than he is the people of Florida. He understands Florida is a hot spot and that a different risk management approach is needed for Florida folks than it is for South Dakota folks. It's not the an governor, apples to apples governor, comparison. If the governor of New York can treat if the governor of New York can treat the people of South Dakota differently, why can't the governor of South Dakota? Okay. Good question. Here's the answer. Because it's about the basis for the choice. Andrew mm -hmm. is saying, and look, you could you could criticize the choice. I could criticize it. Um, but mm -hmm. I have plans for this weekend that involve my family. So mm -hmm. what I'm saying is this. Uh, the basis for the governor of New York with Florida is your cases are out of control and you're not doing what you need to do to control them. This is not apples to apples in South Dakota because you don't have the problem with cases. Let's move away from that analogy. Mm -hmm. It's cumbersome. Let's deal with the specific analogy, which is you were correct, Congressman. Dr. Fauci does say 80% compliance with masks gives you a great chance of cutting down on viruses. But that means you should make them mandatory, not but, but, optional, because you will not get the masks, especially at a Trump rally, if you make them optional, because a lot of people who support the president, as you know, have magically been convinced that a mask is weakness and may be an insult to him. Well, and let me be very clear about this. A mask is not weakness. I mean, I wear a mask all the time in the Capitol. Good. I wear it when I'm going to Thunes Hardware in Mitchell, South Dakota. I wear it when I'm on the airplane. I wear it when I am in close proximity to people. Now, my government doesn't tell me that I've got to do that. I do it because it's the right thing to do, and I think the people on Mount Rushmore should wear a mask. But we have had this argument time and time again. There have been people who feel like government is the only entity that has, the, you know, has all of the answers. And then there are people who feel like, you know what, we need to collectively step up as communities, as societies and families and make good decisions, I think we're going to get better compliance long term, Chris, if we work together to get this done rather than have some sort of edict from Washington, D.C. But the edict from Washington, D.C. isn't about how to raise your kid. It's mm -hmm. about what you know as a matter of fact helps you in this situation. Mm -hmm. I guess, Dusty, what I'm having trouble understanding is I get the argument that Big Brother's telling us how to live our lives and we don't like it. But that's different than a situation where the data suggests that this is best and perhaps, given the way you've set up this event, your only chance of seeing no viral spread on any mass scale. How, isn't it a no-brainer to say to people, look, we're not doing the social distancing, which is dumb, but let's wear masks so we give ourselves a chance, period. How does so, mandatory so help? 
So Chris, where was all of this love of mandatory big government regulations when we had people rightfully exercising their First Amendment rights in hundreds of communities across the country? Many of them were wearing masks. They should have been good for them. But it seems to me that, that, that the love of big government only rears its head. What is this big head. government? When, you just well, said, Fauci says, 80%, yes. and you accept it. This isn't about big government. Who gives a damn about big or small government? Okay, set aside big government. Why would the standard be different for tens of thousands of people out protesting their government, which they have an absolute First Amendment right to do as long as they do it peacefully? Why would you have the rules be different for them than you would for people celebrating their country? A protest country? is not organized by official entities. And you have well, all these sensitivities about how we wanted to keep the police and the protesters from clashing. Mm -hmm. Imagine what we would have done if we were enforcing mask policies. And as you did point out a lot of the protesters did wear masks maybe they will at this event as well but it's not apples to apples and again so, but, but i see a political convenience it? being played in a situation that should be about public health dusty political convenience political convenience is saying oh as long as there's not one organizer then we don't need to have a rule or a regulation that binds this is the organized by government dusty the protests Absolutely. weren't well, they weren't, but you can still have rules and regulations for a that, protest? that impose masks. Absolutely. You can say, listen, everybody, these are the rules. You got to follow the rules. But conveniently, CNN and your show weren't calling for those for, kinds for, of hold regulations. On, hold on, Dusty. Hold on. Hold on. Mm -hmm. I was talking about super spreaders at the protests. We yes. had multiple segments about how it's going to be mm -hmm. wrong. But you cannot believe that this is apples to apples. You are organizing this by choice. Those are protests mm -hmm. of people who, in many cases, mm -hmm. are angry and outraged, and we're trying to keep the temperature down. We, forget about me, I cover mm -hmm. it. You are trying to keep it down. You make the decisions about how the police deal with protesters on a large scale. And to have them enforce a no-mask policy when they're already hitting the streets because of police intervention in their lives would have been madness. It's not apples to apples unless you're only looking at this through a partisan lens. The left like the protests. Oh. Why don't they like our fireworks display? I think that's unfair and counterproductive. Chris, you want to talk about political convenience. Political convenience is wanting to have an entirely different set of rules for people protesting their country than for those who are celebrating it. The bottom line is people should be wearing the masks, and I think a lot of them will be. And they would, more would be if it were mandatory. But Dusty, I appreciate mm -hmm. you coming here to make the case. Mm -hmm. You always have an invitation to do so. God bless you Thank and your you. family. Thanks, Chris. All right. Video running all over the place. Yeah, and yes, 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 yes. Bring it on in social media. Let me know what you thought of the segment. But what did you think when you saw this? The video of the husband and wife pulling out the guns when the protesters went by their mansion? You think they were under siege? What do you think about this reaction? Should they have been afraid? I wanted to hear their side of the story because I honestly believe this is a metaphor for our country right now. And it's no way for us to move forward together. So let's have the conversation. Mark McCloskey is here to take us through what he saw, what he feared, and the rationale that he and his wife used. Let's listen up. Ahead. A lot of videos go viral. I've been in a few. But few catch the eyes of the president who retweeted an article about this. <laughs> The scenes of a Missouri couple pointing guns at a crowd of protesters, Mark and Patricia McCloskey. That's who they are. Now, they claim the demonstrators smashed through the gates of their private street, then rushed toward their house while their family ate dinner outside. 
The McCloskeys say they warned the group they were trespassing, arguing uh, that the people didn't stop. They say they saw several protesters were armed themselves, so they called the cops. It was like the storming of the Bastille. The gate came down and a large crowd of very angry, shouting, aggressive people poured through. I was terrified that we'd be murdered within seconds, that our house would be burned down, that our pets would be killed. Now, the protesters weren't there for the McCloskeys. They were headed to the St. Louis mayor's home, angry that she had revealed some of the home addresses of people demanding police reform. Now that you've watched the video, let's hear what Mark McCloskey has to say about it. He's here next. We're now joined by Mark McCloskey. He is the St. Louis homeowner we told you about uh, in that video that's all over social media. He and his wife uh, holding guns, uh, keeping protesters away, uh, in their opinion, from their home on a private street. He is an attorney. And the couple also has outside counsel who joins us now, Albert Watkins. Thank you both for joining me. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, counselor uh, and Mr. McCloskey slash counselor, uh, we can talk about uh, the legal rights and the facts. Um, I want to talk about not having a right, but whether or not something is right first, which is how do you feel about becoming the face of political resistance to the Black Lives Matter movement? First of all, that's a completely uh, ridiculous statement. I'm not the face of anything opposing the Black Lives Matter movement. I was a person scared for my life, who was protecting my wife, my home, my hearth, my livelihood. I was a victim of a mob that came through the gate. I didn't care what color they were. I didn't care what their motivation was. I was frightened, I was assaulted, and I was in imminent fear that they would run me over, kill me, burn my house, and you have to have this in the context of St. Louis, where on June the 2nd of this year, I watched the city burn, I watched the 7-Eleven get smashed in, looted, and burned for 40 minutes on live television with nobody showing up to do anything, and I realized at that time we're on our own. When bad things happen, they unpredictably turn really bad, real fast. That same night, retired St. Louis Police Captain David Dorn was murdered. These things get very bad very quickly, and when those people came through the gate, when it was a mob, I didn't take the time to see their, their birth certificates or anything else. I was defending my, my house, my life, my wife, and what I've spent 32 years building there. I understand what you say your rationale was. Uh, to be clear, did anything happen to you or your property? Did anything happen? To, yeah, my, my, my uh, life has been ruined. No, 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 target, no, no. Uh, we'll get to that, Mr. McCloskey. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm saying that night, did anything happen to you, your family, or your property? Yeah, it's called social intimidation. It's called terrorism. Chris, what's the definition of terrorism? To use violence and intimidation to frighten the public. That's what was happening that night. It's what happened to me, and that's the damage I suffered. You were the one and pointing a loaded weapon at a group of people who were walking past looking for the mayor's house as a point of protest. No, I'm doing this. Chris, that's an entirely false concept. No single media outlet has ever mentioned the complete falsity of that statement. The mayor's house cannot be reached through my neighborhood. Lyda Cruson lives up on a road called Lake and Washington. That's three blocks north and a half a mile west of my house. So where do you think they to were going? Get, 
They were going through a private neighborhood for the intention of going through a private neighborhood, in my humble opinion, in retrospect. At the time, I didn't have any time to think about this. However, the leader of the entity called Expect Us that organized this, whatever it was, announced ahead of time that he does not want to have a peaceful protest. He wants to have it be as disruptive as possible. And when interviewed subsequently, he said, I know it was illegal, I know it was a private neighborhood, but when you're doing protests of this nature, it's necessary to break the law to get your ends met. And that's, that's what was happening. Of course, I didn't know any of that at the time. All I knew was that hundreds of people screaming, shouting, angry, mm. broke through the private gate. Everything inside that gate is private property. Right. Any pretense of, of uh, uh, protest as opposed to terrorism ended when they broke through that gate. Terrorism they, is a strong word, Counselor, don't you think? I mean, let's let's stipulate for the point of this oh, conversation Chris, that they I went through the private. Look, I let you make your points. Let, let the rejoinders happen and then you can go. Sure, um, sure. You got counsel with you. You're safe, I promise. The idea that uh, they broke the law, I give it to you. They went through a private gate. I'm sure you have video of it or somebody can prove that. I stipulate they went through the gate. Um, but they're yelling, they're angry. They did not go up your steps. They didn't go to your house. They didn't touch you. They didn't try to enter your home. They didn't try to do anything uh, to your kids. But you say you were assaulted. You're using the civil definition of that, uh, which is that you had the apprehension that something bad was going to happen to you. But nothing did. But to call terrorism, when the people are there protesting how the community is treated by the police, is a little bit of reverse psychology at a minimum, is it not? No. You're absolutely, you're absolutely wrong. The reason why they did not get up my steps was that my wife and I were there with, with weapons to keep them off our steps. When How we do you know? Confront, because they were coming at us until they, I displayed the weapon and that stopped them. I came out so on do the you wing. Wait, I'm sure a house like that has cameras. You, do you have video of them coming up the steps and, and being in your house? I'm not going to discuss the level of my private security on national television. Oh, that's but, uh, that's but, not a topic. But do you have proof of them you, actually you like, approaching your house? You know, Chris, this is not a Black Lives Matters matter movement issue. This is a matter of not just one discussion that we have to have. Mm. You said we have to have a discussion, and we do. Mm. And every melanin-challenged old white man like me needs to listen and hear the message, the message of Black Lives Matter. What the second part of this discussion is, and it's not mutually exclusive, is the rights, constitutional rights, of each and every citizen in this land that can't be compromised with, without recognizing that the message of Black Lives Matter will cease to have any meaning at all. But who because is breaking? But, we have but, but how does that justify what happened here, uh, Counselor? Well, I'm, not, say, let, I'm yeah, not saying let's, that let's he didn't have a justification. right to uh, say that he, they entered a private street, but they were protesting, and he has become the face. How so? The president retweeted this for a reason, Counselor. He became the face involuntarily. But I'm, not client, I'm not saying it was voluntary. I'm saying, why do you think the president retweeted I, I it, so Counselor? Look, you can talk all night. You're going to let me answer. The well, I just asked you a question. Answer client, Why do you think client, the president retweeted had, it? Oh, that's a separate question. No, I that's the one I'm asking. For, I, 
Uh, well, that's a second Maybe question. Maybe you should ask the president. Maybe, here, you should ask the president. He I doesn't answer my questions, ever, uh, but he answers I'm not by going his to answer. I go. I'm not going to ask, speak for the president. In fact, quite frankly, I find it uh, probably an impossibility for anyone to speak for the president. And that's assuming one wants to say the president speaks. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Mr. McCloskey, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> the president retweeted this thing for a reason. Why do you think he retweeted it? You know, I don't have any idea uh, why the president retweeted it. I've not seen it, not seen the retweet. I think you ought to ask the president. Uh, and if he, if he, you know, he I was reluctant to come it. on your. He deleted I was, it. I was, re I was reluctant to come on your show for, the, for a similar reason. But let me say this. You said it was protesting police brutality. That's absolutely inaccurate. The announced purpose for this event was to ask the mayor, Lida Krusen, whose own husband was murdered in her driveway in that same house years ago in front of her and her kids, okay? That's how undangerous these things are. The alleged purpose of this event was to ask her to resign for doxing protesters. Right. Who were, who, but guess what? Have I been doxed? Have those very people that were walking down my street screaming death threats at me and threatening to burn my house and kill my dog and what rooms in my house they were gonna live in after they killed me, do you think them then distributing my information all over the Western Hemisphere is different than what they're asking the, the mayor to resign for doing. This hypocrisy is just obvious nonsense. Look, again, they have, again, Mr. McCloskey, I don't like that you have been weaponized for political means. I'm not saying that you weren't within your rights to do what you were doing. Uh, that will be uh, judged by the system. Um, that's not why I'm having you on the show, as I said at the top. And you said I, I didn't want to come on the show. Listen, I think I'm fair. I'm not going to use you as a pawn to advance my own agenda like the show you just went on, which is where somebody wants people to see Black Lives Matter as inimical to the American cause. I don't make those kinds of judgments for people. But the guy who just walked past your house on the looping piece of video had hands up, don't shoot on this. The stated purpose of this demonstration, and that's all we can go on, is that they didn't like that the mayor outed, or as you say, doxed people who were for defunding the police. And now you can like that or not like that. But you have been used and politically weaponized as a face of white resistance to that movement. And that's why I asked you that. Not because that's how you see yourself, but that's how you're being seen. And I wanted to give you a chance with counsel to respond to that. I don't see, okay, I, I, I don't I see how you can see that as an unfair quickly. question. My, my client has, since the very outset of this publicity, made it really, really clear the last thing he wanted to do, and he and his wife are both appalled at the prospect of being utilized as a, as a rallying call for people sitting in barco loungers with a Confederate flag behind them and a 12-gauge in their hand. My clients have fought as lawyers for three-plus decades for the civil rights of people of color. My clients are completely behind and endorse the message of BLM. What they are not capable of doing is embracing the abject utilization of that noble message that we all need to hear over and over and over again as a license to rape, rob, pillage, bowl over all of our rights None of that happened to here, worry. by the way. Oh, I beg, your, I beg your pardon. When you have a man and a wife on their property, in their home, 
with a full-on assault occurring by We're a full mob. full-on assault. That, They're walking the way, down the street oh, in front second. of the house, oh, Mr. I, Watkins. I Chris, pardon, that's not Chris, correct. Chris, you, you don't have your facts Chris, correct. I'm you just looking at there. the video. Mr. McCloskey, yeah, please, I give you the last at word. Some, there are a thousand videos out there. Okay. Right? Look at all of them. Look at the crowd. And by the way, the three, two or three, depending on whether a third was involved, that instigated it, that broke down that, that, that fence, that rushed through that gate. These individuals, curiously, were not people of color. Yeah, I, Chris, I read that, that you say it was white guys that initially spooked you about what you needed to do. Mr. McCloskey, go ahead. Last word to you. All right. Guy stands in front of me, pulls out two loaded pistol magazines, snaps them together in front of my face and says, you're next. OK, if you were there, Chris, I think you'd feel like you had a right to defend yourself as well. Absolutely. Somebody takes out uh, magazines or ammunition and clicks it and makes a direct threat to me. I would feel threatened 100 percent. And that's what happened to me. And look, I know that you're going through uh, a process with this. I welcome you having counsel. Uh, if you were within your rights to do what you were doing, it should be adjudged as such. I wanted to talk to you about the broader implication because it's just a horrible picture of what's going on in America right now. So to me, it's not about what's right and what's wrong just in a court of law. It's about what we want right, to, right and wrong about how we treat each other. And that's why the and president why retweeted this tweet. Mr. Watkins, you know it. And Mr. McCloskey, you know it. He retweeted it because he liked the image of white resistance to this movement. And I'm not saying that was fair to you, but we know that's why he did it, because that's why he deleted it. I wanted you to well, speak I'm glad for yourself. I'm, I'm glad you're a mind reader, because no one else thinks you are. Oh, in fact, he didn't delete it. Good. Makes my point even no. more. Uh, <laughs> you didn't say that. It was said to me uh, for me. I'm thinking about something else where someone was screaming white power in a video that the president retweeted. He deleted that one. He didn't delete the one of you. I wanted to give you a chance to speak about it. We both know you don't have to be a mind reader to assess a pattern. You're not a mind reader either. I haven't seen the video of the person clapping the magazines, but you drew certain inferences from the behavior before you. I'm doing the same thing. We've seen behavior before us. I'm making a judgment. I'm sorry uh, that you are caught in it the way you are if it's not what you intended by all of this, Mr. McCloskey, and I wish you good luck. Uh, Mr. Watkins, thank you for representing your client. Appreciate you taking the opportunity. Thank you, thank you for the time. Thank you. Be well. We'll be right back. hundred thousand new COVID cases a day. That's what Dr. Anthony Fauci is warning us about. And Congress, that that's what will come if the U.S. continues on the track that it's on right now. For a look at the reality, potentially, here's Nick Watt. Arizona's average daily death toll about doubled during the month of June. The numbers speak for themselves. I'm very concerned and I'm not satisfied with what's going on because we're going in the wrong direction. Clearly, we are not in total control right now. In Texas, the number of COVID-19 patients in hospitals more than tripled during the month of June. In the United States, daily cases are increasing after an extended decline. Average daily cases in Florida up more than six during the month of June. Beaches in the south of the state also closing again before the 4th of July weekend. We don't have a lot of tools left in the kit right now. So, you know, we're trying everything we can to stop this spread and reverse what is a very enormous spike in our community and in our state. Today is 162 days since the first confirmed case here in the U.S., but one senior CDC official says this is really the beginning. We can't just focus on those areas 
that are having the surge. It puts the entire country at risk. We are now having 40 plus thousand new cases a day. I would not be surprised if we go up to 100,000 a day if this does not turn around. And the death rate? It is gonna be very disturbing, I will guarantee you that. But it might not be too late. It is critical that we all take the personal responsibility to slow the transmission of COVID-19 and embrace the universal use of face coverings. But in at least 10 of the 15 states right now suffering record numbers of new cases, there is no statewide mask mandate, but you should still wear one. Specifically, I'm addressing the younger members of our society, the millennials and the Generation Zs. The economic pain of all this is obvious and crippling. People now camping overnight outside an unemployment office in Oklahoma. But Dr. Fauci says states must not open too fast and we all must stop doing this. We're going to continue to be in a lot of trouble and there's going to be a lot of hurt if that does not stop. New Jersey, Connecticut, and New York, where even the famous library lions are masked, now asking incomers from 16 spiking states to quarantine. Massachusetts asking the same of anyone coming in from outside the Northeast. And starting tomorrow, the European Union will let travelers in from 14 countries and China if they reciprocate, but not from the United States. Nick Watt, CNN, Los Angeles. This is where grandmother would say, ay, ay, ay. Is it possible to increase our testing for COVID by as much as 10 times where it is now? That's what Dr. Burks of the task force is saying, but it would take a different strategy. So let's talk to Dr. William Schaffner back to help us understand poor testing and uh, not poor. We're doing poor testing, pool testing, and whether it's worth a try next. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.